This is the weekly sermon from Church of the Holy Trinity, a Reformed Episcopal parish in the Anglican Church of North America in Houston, Texas. Find us online at holytrinityrec.org. Find us on Facebook as Holy Trinity Houston, and on Twitter and Instagram as Holy Trinity REC. Enjoy the sermon. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Why should he go with you? This question posed by King David to Absalom in the last part of 2 Samuel chapter 13 is telling. As we read last week, two years now have passed since the tragic events of the first part of this chapter where Amnon violated his half-sister Tamar, the full sister of Absalom. In response, as we read last week, David was angry while Absalom took his sister to live under his roof as a desolate woman and was indifferent to his brother Amnon, harboring hatred toward him. The judgment against David for his earlier infidelity and murder was that wickedness would plague his household the rest of his days. It began in the first part of last week's reading and continues as we read today. As with David in, cons- in committing gross violations of God's commandments and covering it up with more violations of his commandments, Amnon committed sexual immorality and his re- brother responded through hatred that resulted in a revenge murder. Our culture today tries to desperately hide sin or deny that it even exists or to redefine sin to fit its standards, fulfilling what the prophet Isaiah warned about that many will call evil righteousness and what God labels as righteousness they will call evil. Yet no matter how often We try to change sin to fit our lifestyles, to fit our opinions, to fit our feelings. The consequences of sin continue. Let us meditate this morning on this last part of 2 Samuel 13 for the important lessons of the necessity that we continue to resist all temptation to sin through the help of our Savior Jesus Christ alone. Verses 26 through 36 of our lesson today relates how Amnon or Absalom planned to lure his brother to him, how he had him murdered, and the initial confusion in response to his heinous act. Absalom's plan was elaborate, an invitation for a party for all of his brothers to celebrate the shearing of the sheep herd. He even invited his father, the king, and David, as we read, declined. The plan of Absalom was not to commit murder in the shadows, in hiding, in secret, but to do so in front of his brothers. He wanted to send a public message to his family. Often revenge fueled by long-term hatred drives one towards public events, public shows of their hatred, to breed fear into others. We can look to our own history and our own country of hatred towards African Americans with vengeance murders or lynching of hundreds 
in the decades after the Civil War, when hatred goes unchecked and is allowed to putrefy, countless suffer terror, murder, and so many other evils. These were public crimes meant to send statements of hatred, often for no other reason than the color of a person's skin. For Absalom, he wanted the culmination of his long hatred through the public murder of his brother for his sin against their sister to put fear into the hearts of his family. He sought to send a statement to his king, the father, if you did not have the fortitude to punish your firstborn son for his depravity, I will commit the sin of Cain to murder him in a very public manner. All his unlawful, vengeful violence accomplished, as we read, was further violence and hatred, as all unauthorized violence of any time period produces. God warns us against such vengeance throughout God's word. As our epistle in Romans stated today, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Absalom followed the path of the flesh, and eventually, as we will read in the rest of this book, he died because of it. It is extremely easy to fall into the path of the flesh in our conflicts, to take the easy, sinful path of how to deal with our opponents, both of those that are of the legitimate sort and those of the illegitimate sort that we like to manufacture in our sin nature. Hatred blinds us to the point of treating others with extreme inhumanity and sin. Romans 12:19 states, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Earlier in the Gospels, Jesus said this in Matthew 5:39, But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil, but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn him the other also. These passages were not new to the New Testament. They were from the law. They were from the Old Testament. As the son of David, Absalom knew this well. David, as we have seen throughout his life, went out of his way to not take vengeance upon those that sought his harm. While David, by God's grace, lived to not take vengeance, Absalom is the opposite. The continued consequences of David's sin now came in the form of a revenge murder. This killing of Amnon had the desired outcome for Absalom. As verse 29 states, Then all the king's sons arose, and each mounted his mule and fled. And taking out the heir to the throne, the firstborn, the remaining sons did not know what their brother would do next. Would he finish all debate about an heir and make himself the sole remaining son of the king? Hatred and vengeance drive people to the most debased of actions, as we see here. Clearly, as we will read in the rest of this book, Absalom had desires to take the throne for himself, even when David was still living. Verse 30 speaks of what David initially heard, that Absalom killed all of his sons. Often in the midst of turmoil, the first reports about an event such as this cannot be trusted. It is always prudent to wait until all the proper time is given before passing judgments and offering opinions. We all know in our own culture of fast-paced information that such remains true. Just because something only takes 
a few mere seconds to be reported does not mean the people at the chaotic event have it right when they communicate to us. Our roles as Christians must be patience and prayer when we are met by disastrous news before acting or passing judgments about something that has occurred. It is a lesson for us to remain humble and slow to respond at any news that we hear today. For David, his initial reaction was one that we all need to take note of when we respond to bad news. We read that David arose and tore his garments and lay on the earth. His response was to mourn. His response was to pray. Often for us, especially in our charged atmosphere today, where people pride themselves in quick answers and quick judgments, it's better that we stop, pray, reflect, and yes, even wait. I know in my own life I've regretted times of jumping on a social media bandwagon that in the end turned into something else that was initially reported. Prayer and patience are always better than being the first one to relay the news or the first one to relay an opinion or a judgment. In verse 32, though, we come across the seedy character of Jonadab again. Remember, he was the king's nephew and a close friend of Abnon. He was the one that aided Amnon in fulfilling his temptation to sin. Now he told David, his uncle, that he did not need to worry because Absalom only killed Amnon for what he did to Tamar. Jonadab knew enough of the way the household was at odds with each other to state that only Amnon would be the victim. In verse 35, Jonadab's views came to be true. And verse 36 records this. Behold, the king's sons came and lifted up their voice and wept. And the king also and all his servants wept very bitterly. In the last three verses of our chapter today, it records that Absalom fled to the king of a nearby country and stayed there for three years. In verse 37, we read of David's demeanor throughout this time. And David mourned for his son day after day. No matter the circumstances and these awful events, David mourned as he did for even those that had harmed him in the past. He, as a man of God, was deeply humble. We can learn much from his love for others, even for those that hated him, his enemies. Our Lord Jesus Christ calls us to the same in our approach, even to those that hate us, even to those that our enemies. The posture and acts of prayer and mourning even for those that have acted as enemies is good for the soul. When we allow ourselves to go the opposite of mourning and the opposite of prayer as Absalom allowed himself toward Amnon, disaster awaits us. Verse 39 ends our chapter with these words, and the spirit of the king longed to go out to Absalom because he was com comforted about Amnon since he was dead. As we'll read next week, Absalom was eventually brought back and reconciled with his father. Yet such as we will see will only be a brief interlude before further turmoil hits the family of David. For the king as a servant of God, his life exuded forgiveness, restoration and reconciliation 
to the very last moment. His fear was in God alone, and he left everything in God's hands regardless of the worldly advice coming to him to the contrary. It's our call as Christians to be more concerned about obedience and love of God and each other than what feels right from a worldly perspective. Most of the time, what feels right is really just opening the doors to all manner of sin and wickedness. The way of the Lord is to do the hard thing, even to love our enemies, to pray for them, to even forgive rather than seek vengeance. Such bears fruit scores above any evil satisfaction that comes from taking vengeance into our own hands. In seeking Christ in prayer first to help us, we are aided every day to be slow to wrath, slow to speak, and always swift to hear. May we be reminded of the need and call upon all of us as Christians towards patience and prayer above all else in our lives, always pushing away impatience, hatred, and vengeance to his glory. Amen.